0: This is the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. Inside, you'll learn how to build, grow, and scale your digital marketing agency all from the comfort of your favorite coffee shop. Let's get started with the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome again to the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. This is the podcast that gives you an inside look into how entrepreneurs built and grew their digital marketing agencies. My name is Tabitha Thomas and I'm your host and if this is your first time listening to us, I want to encourage you to go subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this podcast and drop me your review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you think about the podcast. So today I have with me Mary Ellen Slater and Mary Ellen is the CEO of RepCat. Before creating her own content marketing firm, she served as director of content development and senior general business and finance editor at SmartBrief, a leading publisher of email newsletters. Now, before joining Smart Brief, she spent eight years at the Washington Post, where she authored the career track column and worked as an editor in the business news department. Mary Ellen, excited to have you with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Super excited to have you, and uh, so the first question that I start every single podcast off with, because it's my absolute favorite one to ask, is what did the path of becoming an entrepreneur look like for you? I feel like everybody's got a different story, and entrepreneurs are not just, they're not born that way. There's always a path, so I'm always curious to hear what that path sounds like for everyone.
1: Yeah, so for me, um, it was an abrupt one. It's the best way I could describe it. I was working at Smart Brief, which was the last job job that I had. Uh-huh. And while I was there, um, I mean, I love that job, right? Um, so I was there for three years. We built all kinds of cool things, including um, some big newsletters, you know, like they're, they have a Smart Brief on workforce, this HR newsletter and leadership stuff. So we were working on a lot of cool things. Um, but it was also a very tumultuous time for the company. And I actually got laid off. Mm-hmm. From my job at Smart Brief it was uh, like three weeks before Christmas. it was on my older daughter's birthday. Oh. I had just moved back to Louisiana and I was in the middle of a horrible messy divorce. So December 9th, you know, 20, you know <laughs> 11, I got up and had a call at nine in the morning and then went like, okay, you know, my daughter was at home from school with me, you know that day. I'd kept her out because it was her birthday. Yeah, I was like, oh hmm okay so i went and i had a good cry and then we went out and celebrated her birthday so In the middle of this, in the back of my mind, I'd had for some time the idea of starting a content marketing agency, which Uh sounds like a really obvious thing now, but at the time, like that wasn't a full-fledged thing. You know, this is 2011, that's just starting to get going, you Mm -hmm. know, and I recognized there was this gap between what advertising agencies were offering and like what traditional news, journalism, editorial people were doing, and I wanted to bring that together, so... I go and I'm like sitting there, I've been thinking about it. It was kind of in the back of my mind. And I, you know, I went and then I posted on Facebook that day. I was like, oh, I just got laid off. This sucks. And a a friend of mine, a fellow entrepreneur, a woman who had already made that leap and who I had confided in about my ideas, she called me Uh and she said, congratulations, tell me about your business. And I'm just like, too soon, girl, too soon. Call me back next week. (laughs) But I mean, she was also like, her name is Jennifer Benz and she runs a benefits communications company out based um, out on the West Coast that just got acquired by their biggest, largest competitor. And and now she's part of that firm. But I mean, she was even in those early days, she kind of talked me through like how to pull this off. But that's how it started and abruptly, truly. Thank you, Jesus, for all of the (laughs) women that... (laughs) are like
0: that who can call you and be like congratulate instead of like how are you i'm so sorry she's
1: she saw in you what what was there so she kicked me in the ass Like she still does to this day in the gentlest nicest most loving supportive way possible
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey everyone needs that that swift kick in the rear end that's for sure Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me about the uh, agency that you've got now. What, uh, what is it that you do there besides sure. social media? I mean, give me a little bit more detail. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. No. So because so RepCap is a content marketing agency and we are strictly B2B. And our specific verticals are HR tech insurance and financial services, which were the areas that I knew the most about as a reporter because in my previous life, I was a traditional journalist when I was at the Post, I was a business reporter. Uh-huh. So I made the decision to go in really specific and really narrow rather than trying to be, do content for everybody. You know, I said, you know what? I actually only do the content that nobody else can wrap their mind around. Um, I know my industries through and through, you know, the people I hire know these industries through and through. So I always tell people, don't call me if you need something, if you need somebody to write about blue jeans, go get somebody who's excited to write about blue jeans. Call mm-hmm. me when you need somebody <laughs> that can write, that's excited to write about CDOs, you know, that's <laughs> like, yeah. excited to write about LIBOR. <laughs> like, that's what Ooh. we do. That's Ooh. our specialty.
0: Well, congratulations then, because there's so many agencies that I talk to, especially those that have been around for several years who Spent a lot of the early years trying to be everything to everyone and realized, you know, quickly or not so quickly that that's not the route to go. So congratulations on being able to niche down very quickly because I'm sure that saved a lot of headache and a lot of uh, Mm -hmm. heartache and all of that stuff.
1: (laughs) Well, and it lets us come in as true partners. For mm-hmm. our clients so people come to me not just because they need content made i mean yes we do white papers we do email newsletters we do blog posts like all that stuff we make videos now and do produce podcasts ourselves but like they don't come to us because we can do that they come to us because we can partner up with them we understand the landscape
0: mm-hmm. of their
1: specific industry you know not just we know their competitors i don't have a learning curve for that i'm not walking in going oh what does your business do? It's like, mm-hmm. I, I walk in and I'm like, yeah, well, how's that different from one, two, and three? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, we got to tighten your positioning, you know, <laughs> or like when they would come in and say, um, I always like to give this example. There was a early on, a couple of years ago, people were saying, we want to be experts in the future of work, and I'm like, okay, what about it? <laughs> What about it? Like, what is your vision? And they'd be like, what? You know, the future of work, and I'm like, is it a dystopian future? Is it a utopian future? <laughs> like, what you got? Are we all like, you know, are we all wearing wearables? Like, I don't know. I don't think anybody's going to predict what actually happened. Well, yeah. The who did, but yeah, here we are. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, the future of work.
0: Yes. <laughs> the future of work is working is hiding from our children, trying to get work in done. our closet. What that is. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> So my next question is usually, you know, talking about your niche, but we know exactly what your niche is and and I'm excited that you you've narrowed it down very quickly. So uh, how do you go out and find
1: clients for your agency? What is your, your biggest tactic right now? So I'll tell you, so there's two things like one, they find us. If you will dig in and tighten your positioning, like you will find that, you know, people, you're not just like trying to compete with all these other undifferentiated agencies, mm-hmm. right? Like they come, people know who we are in the spaces that we operate in. You know, I know who my competitors are. We refer business to each other whenever we have non-competes that collide, right? Like, so yeah. um, that's part of it. So I show up, I go to the industry conferences is what I would have told you in the past. I've yeah. got you know, 20 years of these relationships first as a reporter, you know, as a journalist, and then, you know, running my agency, I go to the events, like I stay on top of things. Um, And now I'm doing the same thing sort of digitally, you know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, we are, we are increasing our output of content, you know, we host webinars, we do guides, you know, as I say, we do drink our own champagne, you know, like we do (laughs) share our ideas through content, right, good differentiated content. so we do that and then I'm working just to maintain the relationships those real life relationships that I spent all that time developing through virtual connections you know I was going to ask did that did the having the experience working in the reporting
0: help with the relationships that you've got now that was going to be my next question
1: no absolutely I mean because I've always i even like as a reporter i was not best reporters you're not transactional i mean you can be right you can show up ask a question and peace out never talk to anybody again Mm -hmm. but things get really good when you've come back and you've asked again and again and again and i i bring that those skills into my work as well like so Mm -hmm. you know a lot of what we do is strategic advisory work on content when i'm trying to figure out that positioning and it's like i tell my team it's like the first question you ask is a throwaway The third question is when they're going to confess something interesting, Uh (laughs) you know, like you got to knock them off their talking points. Yeah, Um, exactly.
0: Well, and you got to build a relationship too. It's mm -hmm. not, you got to be able to have some kind of,
1: something back and forth there. How are right? they going to trust you? I'm the first question. <laughs> no, they're not. You gotta, you can't you can't come in hard and fast at first, but you also can't drop it after that first thing. And I no. think relationships are like that too. If like all you think about your networking is that I go there and I go around and I hand out my business card or I added someone on LinkedIn, like that's not a relationship.
0: No. Right?
1: That's the start. Yeah. Like but you got to have to come back around and you're going to have to do something for them. You're going to have to create value in that relationship, not just. Yep.
0: I've found, you know, I'm in a small area and most of our clients are very local and I'm very active in like our chamber of commerce and our local lions club and things like that. And I find anytime I go to any of those events, never focus on networking. It's always just making a friend and getting to know somebody. And it always ends up being business because of that. But Mm-hmm. It's never the intent in going in there so
1: yeah it's like do they trust you do they like you do they need you and it's yeah. like you cannot circumvent those things I mean you can but it comes at a price yeah. right if you get somebody so desperate that they didn't feel like they could stop to check if they trusted you like is uh-huh. that a good customer I don't think so like I yeah. gotta figure out if I'm gonna trust you yeah so, I started saying it goes
0: both ways, them with mm-hmm. you and you with them because mm-hmm. every
1: client, just because they have money doesn't mean that's who we want to work oh, with. <laughs> no, we vet. Like I consider our sales process, you ask how we get our clients. I consider uh-huh. it less a matter of going out and getting them. I've got a good sort of flywheel that drives re- you know business in through referrals and through inbound. Um, I, I will also identify people I want to work with and go chase them down. That also yep. happens. And there's yep. very specific reasons. They're like, you're cool. I like what you're doing you need to get this out in the world um, yeah and when I choose to do that it I think people take it for like whoa she means this this isn't just some generic like this lady's stalking me we better let her yeah. write our white papers you know? yes. <laughs> but yes. you know it's um and it doesn't I guess the other thing is we're a lean we're a lean team I've only got 11 employees like my staff and then we'll flex up and down with contractors but you know I'm not on the hook to go get business just to keep people fed you know like that's a we're a we're a a very like niche agency that focuses on quality of work that we're doing and and commanding a premium price for it rather Mm -hmm. than oh I got a big office and I got 50 employees and yeah we got 20 clients it's like uh, I don't allow myself to have more than 12.
0: Okay all right so everybody's got one they're working with I like that so are you before before covid before the crazy crisis it's were you guys in a building together are you all remote workers or how was that oh we're
1: fully remote this team was built to be a distributed team from the start so and our clients are based they're all over the place so it doesn't really matter right where we are i mean my biggest client is aon the insurance company based in Mm -hmm. the uk u.s headquarters in chicago why would Aon care? With their teams scattered all over the world, that all of my people sat together in Baton Rouge, they would yeah. not. Yeah. So, 2011, we started this off from the beginning, like, "Hey, we're going to work where we're going to work,"
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's always been the case. So, I'm here in Baton Rouge. I do have a couple other employees here, but they also work out of their house. Mm-hmm. Um, I got somebody in New York. Like, we're I got somebody that's currently working in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. No, oh. like it doesn't matter. We don't as care. As long as you got
0: the internet, you're good. That's the way our, our company is that from the very beginning. It's I've worked for remotely at home eight years or so now. Mm-hmm. And it's like I always say everybody's like, How how are you doing? How are you doing with the code? I'm like, I work from home for eight years. I'm good. The one thing I'm not used to is the kids being here while exactly. I'm
1: exactly. <laughs> I try to tell people like this is not the, the this experience that you're having right now is because they're like, Oh God, it's so stressful to work at like, I can't wait to get back not to the normal. office. And I'm like, No, you can't wait for your kids to get back to school. Yep like, that's a different scenario. Um, This is not regular work at home. This is also, Uh this has been stressful for me too. it is because of, I want to care for my children. I have to do things with my community. It's like, and then I'm just stuck in my house. (laughs) I I used to fly a lot. Like, I don't go anywhere. I haven't been on a plane in three months. Yeah, it so, feels weird, feels
0: weird. Well, and then you, I mean, as a mom, you feel guilty because you feel like when you're working, you should be spending time with kids. When you're spending time with kids, you're supposed to be working. It's just like constant pulling where I feel like I'm never 100%, you know, anywhere.
1: <laughs> no, and my four-year-old knows how to lay it on me too, hmm. right? I mean, the 13-year-old, like I said, she's very independent and is just yeah. kind of doing her thing. The four-year-old will be like, you never give me any attention all you do is work. And I'm like, uh-uh, I track my hours. Like, you know, like, you know and it's like you give the garden more attention than me. Like that was another one. I'm like, baby, that's Aww. your family. Like, hey, yeah. come on out here. right Well, she helps me in the garden. So I'm like, Yeah, yeah. You, you're just trying. Well, it. and it's you know it's hard on them too, because
0: this is all outside of their normal routines as well. So mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm getting off track here a little bit. COVID's kind of got me a little bit off mm-hmm. off track here. So once you do find and, and get new clients, whether that be somebody that's come to you or you track them down and be like, I'm working with you, <laughs> what does that new client onboarding process look
1: like? Um, well, so I guess it kind of starts back in the sales process. It's almost like a vetting. Right. Okay. So by the time we get to the point to that onboarding, you know, we come in, we meet somebody, and I say, okay, tell me about your problems. I say, okay, well, here's how we solve problems. And we can kind of come to an understanding, usually within one or two calls, depending on the relationship and the, the complexity of the problem. And we say, okay, we're going to work together. We always come in with a strategy engagement. Like there is no way that that is the front door. So, like at this point in the agency, if like, you come to me and you say, write me a white paper, The answer is no, I don't just do one off like things or write me a blog post. What I will do is like you come in and we figure out the problem and say, okay, I'll do a strategy engagement here. And that allows us to get in and we do a discovery process, you know, where we come in and we learn, we look at their competitors, we benchmark it for them, we interview clients, we interview different team team members. Like I'll say, like as usually I'll get head of marketing you know, and then in a big company or small company, I also get like the CEO or the founder or something. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, I don't want to talk to the person who's the most different from you in this company. And then they'll go find me somebody, right? So we'll do these qualitative interviews, do some quantitative analysis. We'll go through and kind of help them figure out their positioning and where their content, their thought leadership opportunities are. And then the next stage is like actually mapping out a plan for them
0: mm-hmm.
1: that, you know, we come try to figure out what is your manifesto? Like it's an extension of your value prop, but it's not quite the same.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: we help them figure out like, what What are you trying to say? Like, what is the big idea that you're trying to put out in the world? And so in that sense, our onboarding is deeply, it's like, it is a strategic process, you know, mm-hmm. in which, you know, that is a, that's our first engagement. Like we don't go anywhere after that. Now, once we get through that stage, which usually takes six to eight weeks, we can move into supporting them with content creation uh-huh. you know, teaching them how to do content creation or like, let them run with it and come back yeah. and, you know, I can be an advisor for you every once in a while.
0: Yeah. But
1: that strategy piece,
0: that's intriguing. That's everything. So what's the, the idea behind finding the CEO and their personality and then finding the person that's opposite of them? What, what are you trying to discover in
1: that, that particular process? So one of like, I guess my core beliefs about thought leadership, which is primarily mm-hmm. we do thought leadership content. Um, it's really about getting that big idea and putting it out there, is that once you have a company with more than five people in it, like I'll say, once, you, once it tips over into that, you're gonna have the CEO, the founder's gonna have idea, their perspective about what the value add is, right? And like how mm-hmm. they're adding value to clients the CMO or head of sales, those people are gonna have an idea. But if you can get that person who, and they're usually very sales oriented, they're not operational, they're not customer service oriented. If you can get your hands on that person has that different personality, that different perspective about what the customer values, you can unlock things that will often surprise the leadership team. Because, because they all sit around talking rats. to each other. I start say talking- they've never,
0: yeah, never asked that question of
1: anybody uh-huh. outside of their own little circle. No, they're just talking to each other. So we try really hard to break that up. That's so, that's that's good. I really like that a you know, lot. It's, it surprises them. That's where some of the most surprising insights come from. And then same, getting a hold of a client, the words that the client uses are different. The words that the um, that the the you know rank and file employees are very different.
0: Yeah. Well, and I bet the person who is actually selling the product understands the customer more than anyone.
1: Yep. I'm
0: betting either that or customer service, customer service, customer
1: service. I'm telling you, cause they know the salespeople have their whole routine uh-huh. and they can, they hand it off. But like the people, you know, get an account rep, You know, get that like customer success person, they know where it goes awry. Yes. (laughs) They know
0: where it's broken and how to fix it usually. (laughs) Yep. Our I've helped us. Those people are amazing. I love them. Mm -hmm. So once you get somebody working with you, I'm assuming it's not just like a monthly thing. It's probably a year long contract type thing. It seems to be big, big project. So how long does uh work last with you guys?
1: Um, So typically, so I do break it out that strategic engagement takes a couple of months. And then there's the implementation of that. If we have an ongoing implementation relationship, we will typically come back and refresh that strategic plan once a year. I've got clients that sometimes they come in and we, we really do just add value as consultants and we get out, which I don't mind. Yeah. I've got other clients that have been with me for 11 years or for nice. nine, nine years, sorry, nine years. We started in 2011. I, some of my first clients are still with us. Awesome. So that
0: leads me to the next question. How do you keep people coming back to you? I mean, is there any, besides just delivering great service, obviously that one's, you know, what everyone
1: says. Right. Yep. But nope. I won't say that. That's that, not differentiated.
0: Yeah. I was like, outside of that, what, what, what are you doing to get them to come back to you?
1: Well, so part of it is we see our job, not just to produce content, right? Like we aren't just the creative shop there to execute whatever ideas people have um we are here to serve as strategic advisors for our clients when it comes to their marketing and specifically when it comes to their content marketing so we keep ourselves up to date right like so it's it's making sure that we are all at the tip-top shape and like on the edge of like of what's going on in content marketing and in our industry So we want to be in the position where the client is never ahead of us in terms of like ideas, in terms of new channels, in terms of like recommendations, like we want to always be pushing them a little faster than they're comfortable going. I find that when that gets out of whack, like if there's a sense that we that they know more than we do, then Mm -hmm. we're out. So Mm -hmm. it's my job to always know more than they do. And that's not because I don't want them to be educated because I'm educating them along the way, but like me and the rest of the team, like we are just constantly learning and constantly pushing. It's like, can you do this? Can you do that? Like I have a never ending list of things that people, you know, could be trying.
0: Gotcha. when you're you're researching things and making sure that you're staying on top of everything, where are you guys looking for all the new trends that are coming out in marketing? Because it it does change, I feel like constantly. Mm
1: -hmm. So there's two ways that I approach this. One is by staying on top of like my professional association. So I love marketing profs. Um, The stuff that Ann Handley and that team are doing when it comes to content marketing is A plus. If you're just, if you're at that best practices level, same for the content marketing institute, good best practices kind of stuff. So that tells me where things kind of are, like what Mm -hmm. are the table stakes? I don't look for inspiration there though, right? Because yeah. if I'm trying to look for what's next, I'm looking outside of that. Yeah. So as a B2B marketer, I look at B2C marketing. Um, I also look at art, frankly, like I'm looking at film. I'm looking at at music. I'm looking um, at visual art. Like what are, I'm, I'm looking, I'm, you know, my education is actually as a scientist. I have a degree in agronomy, which is soil science. Um, so I I try to stay in touch with what's happening in science and technology and I the world at large. I love that you just said that. I grew up, my family owned a fertilizer plant growing up,
0: so, oh, so like, you know what
1: agronomy is. I
0: know what it is, and I'm like,
1: <laughs> that never you happens. Jesus, <laughs> that never happens. No one ever knows what agronomy is. No, I have a whole like, uh, see, oh, a whole last degree in dirt. My my kids are just like, what? <laughs> Oh, I took a whole like, class in high school called turf management. So. Oh, yeah, like exactly. No, and people, you know, somebody would say like, oh, you're you at home and you're doing all this. And she's like, are you okay? And I'm just like, I've been preparing for this my whole life. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm good. Like, we, I live in, I live in, in, in Baton Rouge in a central neighborhood near LSU. And we are currently building a chicken coop that's going to have three chickens. And I've got the whole system worked out for like between yep. the vegetable garden and the chickens. And yeah, <laughs> but,
0: yeah. So, I got you off track. I'm sorry. You yeah, said no, no, no. That is my track.
1: I'll talk to you about uh, <laughs> about my soil chemistry. <laughs> oh no, I like it. But you bring that in, okay? Like because the secret to being a great marketer, the secret to being a great agency partner and principal is to like be to like open your mind and have good experiences that like keep you ahead. Like where mm-hmm. I see agency, you know, founders, people who are otherwise like really brilliant people, they just get really complacent or if you're only looking at whether what other agencies do mm-hmm. so here's another example we started a magazine under like we killed our blog a couple of years ago we were so bored with it we were like oh god this blog has to go so we're like what could we do instead uh-huh so we launched a magazine i went and bought managingeditor.com. And launched Managing Editor Magazine in lieu of our blog. In many cases, it was similar material, but the difference between publishing something on your blog and publishing it as a magazine Mm -hmm. changes the whole tenor and the quality Mm -hmm. of the experience. So then we chose to launch Managing Editor, and when I was looking around for inspiration for that, I, I didn't look at... Um, other magazines like other like marketing things Mm -hmm. you know I looked at it in the sense of like I knew I didn't want to be that but like when I finally realized what I wanted I turned around my um, my developers time my designer, and I said I want it to be like bustle, but for content marketers. Okay. And she laughed at me, but like, then that's what we built. Right. So instead of like copying, like content marketing Institute and copying marketing pros and copying these other B2B trade magazines, that wasn't yeah. what I wanted. I wanted bustle, but for content marketing. Yeah. And similarly, when we redid our agency website last year, I was like, okay, what do I want to do here? And we started looking comparative. I didn't look at other agency websites because I didn't want to look like another agency website. Yeah. Um, my director, my creative director, Anne, she said, well, what are your favorite brands? And I was like, mm, Stitch Fix. And she's yeah. like, okay, what would it look like if, if Stitch Fix were an agency? <laughs> like, you know, so like, if you go look, you can see elements of like their page design in our yeah. stuff. Like I wanted yeah. it to be as easy to use as Stitch Fix. Like it's easy to understand. Yeah.
0: No, I like, well, and looking outside of your own element. Yes. That's yeah. Exactly get get out of it.
1: Do. Go, don't look at other agencies. Don't look at other, go, go look at like things outside of that.
0: I like it. So staying ahead. I love it. I love it. So tell me what it is. What's your favorite thing about what you and your agency are doing right now?
1: My favorite thing that we're doing right now it's like you know that's this whole COVID thing you know all this as we say in the south when all, all, all this, this. <laughs> and you do a little hand wave. if you have to wave your hand when you say it um <laughs> it's like the way that we have always kind of in our dna was to be helpful right like i our company mission statement you know is to improve the quality of b2b content marketing and you know in the industries that we serve and that take, has taken three forms over time. One is the agency, literally, we'll do it for you. Give us mm-hmm. money, we will do this work. Two is like, we've kind of got this training and development arm that is, we'll teach you how. And then the final part of it is like, ah, oh, you can just do it yourself. We've created this community. And that's what's around managing editor. And what I'm finding is that right now during COVID, you know, we sort of taken this opportunity to really, really invest in that middle piece Mm -hmm. that training piece, because that's where we have found people are trying to figure out how to do digital marketing, like how to move, you know, B2B was so dependent on events, you know, on Mm -hmm. trade shows, and so how can we help people make this leap, and it's not necessarily about making money right now, like we're fine, like Mm -hmm. we are actually doing great,
0: Mm -hmm. Um
1: it's about how can we help people use this opportunity to get better and teach them how to be better. So we are, we just kind of poured ourselves into that, like doing more webinars where we just give away our thinking. We ramped up our content production. You know, if somebody wants a call, I take the call. Like I'm not like vetting them for like, I mean, I might, doesn't mean I'm going to work with them, but I'm going to take the call and I'm going to see if I can help them. If I can't, I'll steer them somewhere else. Well, it's just doing the greater good
0: right now because that's what that's what our world needs so bad is it's just good right now because mm-hmm. 2020 just kind of sucks.
1: <laughs> right, it's like, this is I'd like a reset. Um, But you know, what I love is that I see everybody on our team doing this. This isn't just me. Right. Like, and I could tell that this is really is a part of our sort of culture mm-hmm. because everybody does it and they didn't have to be prompted by me to do that. They were just like, yeah, I just talked to so-and-so and I'm coaching them through how to do their podcast or, you know, it's it's stuff like that. It's that is what I feel. That's what we're the proudest of is the way that we are making other people better and helping them during this opportunity, like during this time to take these opportunities where they can get them.
0: Well, that's awesome. That also helps, you know, you hired the right people. If they're doing the same thing that you're doing without you having to tell them, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a sign of a good team and a good hire. So now that we've talked about your favorite thing, what's the biggest challenge that you've got going on right now?
1: Huh. Is this a COVID question or besides that? Like, <laughs> normal, uh, you know, other than all that. <laughs> all that. Yeah. Um, Normal, I would say because we are a specialty agency, um, we require specialty talent. So for me, even with like having the freedom to hire from anywhere, it is tough to figure out like who is going to enjoy and be good at the type of content that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting them kind of getting that synced up for you know for like for the, the work right it's like you move when you're it's like catching lightning bugs, yeah, you know it's like they're only co- they only come around like in a limited time, like if you're either ready for them or you're not, and so I have to make decisions about talent that can sometimes feel ahead yeah of the growth of the business because I can't let that person go. Yeah. Like I can't miss that opportunity if they come up on the market like and they're looking for a job. So I just get them in the door and have to so that creates a lot of like it can be rough on your cash flow. Yeah. You know? Very <laughs> like, much very but, much so. But I have to I have to do it that way and I have to build in cushion to know now that we're, you know, 9 years in, almost 9 years in. I I know that that's just part of like the process that I have to like hire one night when they're available. Yeah. And and, and, and get them in the mix and and then, you know, then go sell against it.
0: Yeah, it's probably never, it's never been a bad thing, I'm assuming, so once you get somebody that's good, and you, you know, you got the right person, it, it always works out.
1: Right, right, and then there's just, like, you know, getting people who are a remote team, um, you know, and there's been the challenges of just, like, how do we, not just their connections to me, but their connections to each other, mm-hmm. as they work on teams, like, that's, that's kind of tough sometimes, but. So did you guys, before before covid did Mm you
0: ever get together as a team because like we take trips and we'll end up getting together you know once or twice a year
1: we do it we used to do these two retreats every year um one was like we the full like you know strategic end of year thing i have everybody come to baton rouge in december and then the other one we would all do a mid-year and we would just pick some city that we all wanted to go to like and we would do that in june or july like um obviously this retreat this year will not be we will not be traveling we were supposed to go to new york (laughs) so that's not gonna happen so we'll, we'll do something virtually it'll it'll work out okay I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm ready to travel again. And I bet the travel
0: industry is going to boom once all this is done.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It seems like it's a really weird experience for people who are having to travel right now. Yeah. It's really strange.
0: Well, somebody told me the other day they got plane, where were they going? Got plane tickets for like, oh, between uh, St. Louis and Denver for like 35 bucks round trip. And there was like four people on the entire
1: plane. (laughs) I believe that. And there's some others that are super crowded, like to the point where they're like, this isn't actually safe. I
0: haven't heard that one. Wow. I guess because down how many they're doing, so you only have one or two available. Right.
1: I think it's certain routes, and like, you know, you don't know. Like, you might get the one that only has four, or there might suddenly be a rush of people, so you're trying to figure out. Yeah.
0: No, not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, no,
1: I feel like like I'm probably grounded for the end of the year. Like, I can't see myself getting back on a plane before then.
0: Yeah. Mm. So the last question that I always like to ask is what are you currently reading or listening to that's helping you uh, grow as an entrepreneur? Mm. Or are you like some where you're like, I read all trash because my brain doesn't need to focus on work anymore? Okay.
1: So I was going to, this is where, so when I do read a lot, right, I come in and I've got like all the standard sort of businessy things. But when I want to, like, you know, we talk about your brain going sideways, I watch a lot of movies, right? Yeah. Like, and I try to, bringing things and i watch tv so i've got i try to watch at least a couple of like good movies a week but then I'm yeah. my biggest guilty pleasure and i will tell you i'll probably at some point going to write about things that i've learned you know from watching this show but it's supernatural
0: okay i've,
1: not <laughs> seen, I've never seen it so i can't say anything it's teen, oh like hey look this is the longest running um sci-fi show like on american television and it went for 15 seasons wow And that kind of endurance, (laughs) like, you know, like, I like, I admire the right. I'm like, I, I do sit there and I watch it and I'm like, man, they, okay, so they are still, they are trying so hard, like they had to keep coming around and finding like new, you know, super villains for the, for the story arc and like, uh-huh. so I watch it and I watch it as a guilty pleasure, but I also watch the writing and the mm-hmm. writing, um, the team that involved with in that is like a lot of the people from the X-Files, you'll also see some of the old, so I'm a huge sci-fi fan. Yeah. So you'll see a lot of those people kind of pop up and you're like, oh, hey, it's Krychek, you know, or like yeah. whatever. Um, but I, I've actually been really into it and I'm in season seven and I'm watching like as these actors get older, which is funny. I bet, I bet they never thought when they took that job, the two leads that they would have been doing that for 15 seasons. Yeah, no. (laughs) So, but there's something to be said for that. So no, that's, I mean, I'm not going to tell you, of course I read Harvard Business Review and of course I read like all the stuff that I'm supposed to be reading, but like where I'm really kind of getting my creative energy from right now is supernatural
0: that's that's, <laughs> but that's interesting that you can watch something like that and pull things from the writers like you don't just see what's there you see what's behind i feel like i used to do you know tv commercial type stuff and i i dissect things when i, I hated watching tv with some people because you just you get into dissecting things so i like to see that you're doing that uh, with the writing too and it doesn't have to be
1: industry related No, in fact, try get out of that stuff. You know, I mean, I I do love to read. Like I've got people whose stuff I read. You know, but I just that's not where the good stuff comes from. Yeah, you know, like that's not. Yeah.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Mary Ellen, for being on the uh, podcast with us. I've enjoyed getting to talk to another Southerner <laughs> and all uh, the Southern dogs. So. Right? Yes. I made your accent come out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's probably going to come out a little worse, So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right. We'll see you guys next time. You've been listening to the Digital Agency Insiders podcast. For more tutorials on growing your digital marketing agency, make sure to visit digitalagencyinsiders.com.